We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's a My good friend Clive is magic. He wears a magic hat. And when he made an oblique reference to Spurs possibly winning the league, they promptly dropped a 3-0 lead to draw a 3-3 at home to West Ham. This is the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast. My name is Elliot Smithy, Blackman, Twitter, Yankee Gunner. That's right. I don't know if you saw it. I don't know if you were there for it. I don't know if you're on the Twitters. Let me give you the, the background. Spurs, 3-0 up. Virgil van Dyke, ACL. Maybe something's happening at Tottenham. Clive's got the fear. The fear is in him. And he tweets out an oblique reference to the nightmare scenario. Spurs winning the league. Could it be? And then they they concede not one, not two, but three goals to West Ham at home in the last, I don't know, 15 minutes or so to draw 3-3. Absolute hilarious scenes, as the kids say. You love to see it, as the kids say. Can't smile without them, as we have always said. So I think it is only fair that we bring that up to start the pod because I think we will have, hopefully, a spirited debate about a performance at Manchester City that maybe wasn't the most breathtaking, the most interesting, but there are certainly interesting issues to tease out of it. And I'm excited to do that with Paul. You can find him on Twitter at Pause in My Pants. Hello, Pause. Woohoo! And Clive, you can find him on Twitter at Clive PFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. And Tim, you can find him on Twitter at Stormbird. Hello, Tim. Hello there. So look, uh, one of the things that you know about this pod is that we always want to make you happy, as happy as humanly possible. We started doing that by partnering with a sponsor to get you drunk, beer. We followed that up with a sponsor to get you feeling sexy, lingerie. 
And now we are going to introduce a sponsor that is going to get you cleaned up in your downstairs area so that once you're drunk and in your lingerie, you're going to look and feel your best. So you're going to be hearing about Manscaped later. They call it Manscaped. I'm going to level with you. It can be any scaping. You got a waterproof mower, lawnmower for down there. Get in there. Look, I'm married. I got two kids. Still got to clean up the area. And I'm going to tell you when you're tired and the baby won't sleep and you try to clean up your area with some old razor that you have in the shower, it's not good. Blood down there, not good. Look, what we're going to do here is we are going to move on from this topic as swiftly as possible. I've taken it to a place I did not anticipate doing, but you are going to want to stick around to hear how you're going to get 20% off on the scaping. It can be manscaping, it can be womanscaping. Look, let's face it, Christmas around the corner, maybe, women, for your partner, who needs to get that subtle nudge that it's time to clean it up down there? It's not the 1970s anymore. You know, just saying. Okay. Now, speaking of not the 1970s anymore, it's modern football. Modern football is about attack. And I have a feeling we're going to be talking about the attack quite a bit. And since Tim and Paul joined me for the Instant Reaction podcast, uh, which was a thrill a minute, and you should certainly sign up for our Patreon and hear about it, I will start with Clive. And Clive, there's only one place to start. And that is uh, Schrodinger's Striker. Schrodinger's striker is a concept. I don't know if you know this. There's, there's a striker on the pitch. And depending on when you look at the pitch, maybe that striker is actually not a striker at all. Or maybe he is a striker. Maybe the striker that you just gave a huge bumper contract to is actually sitting in deep midfield trying to play through balls to the 32-year-old winger who can't run anymore. You never know. Schrodinger's striker. So how do you feel about Schrodinger's striker and the decision to play Will Ian as the center forward against Manchester City at the Etihad. Let me hear it. What do you think of this tactical innovation? Yeah, I'm not <laughs> sure it worked. What do you think? I mean, uh, I'm just going uh, to... I didn't see the game live, and I was driving back from a game of the weekend, and I got a message from Andrew saying, William. <laughs> That's all it said. And mm. I thought, oh, this ain't good. And uh, on the radio, it was like, it wasn't so apparent because the radio commentator was too busy loving Man City. So, um, so when I got back and I watched the game, I thought, oh, okay, now I know why my Twitter feed's got William all over it. And it just didn't quite work. His movement was, I, you know, what was he, what was he there for? So, I can explain to you what I think I saw. I think he was there just to offer us another another line to retain the ball a little bit higher up. I thought he should do that. And I thought he should have run to the ball more, roll off into midfield so people come past him. But he started to run away with the break. We've become like a centre forward, but he's really not going to run past people. So why are you doing that? You've got a couple of other people who can actually do that. So I think, I think I'm sure you guys have thought about it or spoke about it. I just thought we were being a bit clever there to try and create overloads in centre midfield when I don't think he overloaded. I think we tried to be clever with his technical security. I don't think he was that secure. And he didn't offer enough punch. So why not just play the best attacking players that we have in those roles and play with a an aggressive intent, right? And I know we had a brief conversation about creativity beforehand. I know if you're going to do it in, in fulsome later, but... Well, I would say creativity is not just in individual players. It is in your aggressive intent to be creative. And when I look at Arsenal, when I looked at us cold in this game, knowing the score, I think we're too passive in our offensive movement. I don't think we are aggressive enough. And if we were to be more aggressive with exactly the same players on the pitch, we could be a hell of a lot more creative. And I think that's the, that's the overriding message. And that's what we need to fix. Yeah, I mean... I think that there is a tendency, Tim, to evaluate performances in the context of the opposition, and that is fair. I think the problem is we don't really know much 
about any of these teams right now because it's such a weird Premier League. I mean, Manchester City lost 5-2 to Leicester. Liverpool conceded seven goals to Villa. Um, so it is hard. I mean, I can understand why someone would say a 1-0 at the Etihad is an improvement. But you can close a gap two ways. You can close a gap by coming up to get closer to the opposition. You can close a gap by the opposition coming down to your level a bit. And I guess I'm not as prepared to give us the, oh, it's City away, great on a curve, luxury as much here, because the City I've been watching has shipped a bunch of goals already this season, and it's not just the goals on on XG, on the underlying metrics. They haven't been great. And, and I just felt it was conservative. Look, the first 25 minutes, we had no shots. So... Mm-hmm. I thought it was passive. When we finally got into positions that made sense, I thought we had a really good period at the end of the first half. But let's start with that opening period. I understand what Clive's saying about how William was used. And how, and I guess what I would argue is, you know, if it's the Lacazette role you want him to play, why not just use Lacazette? He's at least scored a few goals. But as you watch William try to do it... Um, you know, there's a couple of video clips going around on Twitter and stuff of times when there's lots of space in behind the defenders and William just doesn't know where to attack the space and then it's Aubameyang trying to send him in. Um, what do you think principally Arteta's plan was for that opening part of the game? Because to me, I saw us sitting deep, I saw us being organized, but I didn't see an out ball. I didn't see a plan to get out uh, and and that made it, I think, a little too comfortable for City in that opening period. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think what they were trying to do um, was... You know, was was not. I think what they were trying to do overall, not just in the last, in the first kind of twenty five minutes, was just stay in the game as long as possible. And and actually, I do think that they deserve some credit for staying in it at one nil, because what happened the last time we played City, we we were we were pretty good for the first kind of half an hour or so, right? And then David Luiz makes an error, we go one nil down. And then we fall apart and we make two more mistakes and we're 3-0 down and we're down to 10 men and the game's over. And I think um, maybe there was a little bit of that ju- quite justifiable baggage in the game as well. But then when you look at, um, you know, that wasn't the last time we played Manchester City. We played them in between these two games, right? Mm. We played them in the FA Cup semi-final and we scored and we scored an early goal, well, an early-ish goal. Um but we scored that goal kind of doing this like clockwork goalkeeper to centre forward and it came off brilliantly. But obviously that, you know, that's um, that that's something that's real eye of the needle stuff. And um, and yeah, I'm, 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 I think we've had that discussion a lot and we'll, we'll have that discussion latterly. But for that, for those first 25 minutes or so, I, I was reasonably pleased, to be honest. Mm. Um, and even when they scored, I thought, OK, that, that's a little bit against the run of play. And of course, it's a goal. So, of course, there are mistakes in there. But I didn't think there was anything absolutely egregious. There were a couple of half errors. There's a turnover. Maybe Bellerin could do better. Maybe Leno could do better. But no, no one's like embarrassed themselves on that goal. It's... And then we kind of stayed in it after that. So that section of the game, to be honest, I didn't have too much of a problem with. And when you look at what Leicester did, Leicester's five goals all came in the second half. I think I'm right in saying certainly four of them did. Leicester did that. They stayed in the game and uh, they went a goal down. And then the last kind of t- the bit that we didn't do was the last 20 minutes. That's when Leicester went for City. Mm. Um, that that the part, That's the part to me that we didn't do. Well, look, there are two coaches. Sometimes we're guilty of reading football based on the decisions we make and ignoring the counter moves that the other guys made. And there's definitely yeah. a case of these guys wanting to sh- be cleverer than the other and show each other up. 
you know what Pep did in my view? He just vacated midfield. He said, if you're not going to use center midfield, we're going to make sure that we shut down your flanks where you think you can hurt us. And so, you know, I mean, Walker being moved into a position to shut down Aubameyang worked brilliantly. Aubameyang had no joy off Walker at all. Um, you know, there was there was no room on the flanks to get him behind. We just never really did it. And, I, you know, I think that that is partly a failure of, of our football, but I think it is also partly a success of Pep's counter move to our move. Um, you know, I, I think for me, though, Paul, the, the, the really eye-catching moments of this game, it's pretty easy to see. It's that 15-minute period late in the first half when Aubameyang moves central and Saka moves into the left-wing position. And, like, that's the whole ball game for me. I don't just mean this game. I mean this season. Bakayo Saka is the bright spot from this game. I think we can all agree on that. Just a player who looks poised for a, a clear breakout. And it is a handbrake and a half having him play wing back, in my view. And I think it's a handbrake on Tierney a little bit. And, and Clive, you can come back on why you disagree. That's that's we'll, we'll come to that next, okay? Um, I think what we saw, though, is in that period where Aubameyang gets central and Saka's in the left channel and Tierney's playing more of a natural fullback role, look at that chance that we create. It's Tierney... With ball in possession on the wing, gets it to Saka, 1-2 off with Aubameyang, more interconnectedness, more spark of creativity on the edge of the box between these very talented players. Then there's another one where it's reversed and Aubameyang's put through and he was flagged for offside wrongly. Um, And had he scored, I think it would have been allowed. Ironically, Saka's might have been disallowed. But those two chances come from the kinds of interactivity and connectedness right on the edge of the box between our most talented attacking players that isn't happening when Aubameyang is feeding through balls from deep midfield or all the way on the touchline, one moment, Saka bursts past three defenders, really takes on the whole city side, and you can you can see him sort of driving past Aubameyang out on the wing, like in the distance on the touchline. He's got no one to give it to. So that 15-minute period where they swapped and Aubameyang went central and Saka went left, I mean, for you, should that be the stimulus that Arteta needs when he goes back and watches this video, and I'm sure he will watch this game multiple times, Will he see what I saw? Did you see what I saw? Was that a period where where the the talent of the players that we have up front was more unleashed? Uh, yeah, it was. But I think he's trying to solve an an earlier problem in the chain at the moment, which is how to get him how to get the team more often into the final third uh, in a good attacking shape, and that's why he's doing what he's doing. Um, Somehow the energy of the game changed for a little bit for that period you're talking about that allowed uh, Obama Yang being in the center, whether uh, Lacazette is there or not, is kind of a function of have we pushed the toothpaste up the tube on the pitch. As we establish ourselves, working our way out from the back into midfield and give a bit of platform, Obama Yang automatically moves towards the center. And I think... You know, it's cause and effect, right? I think the cause, maybe your cause and effect is the wrong way around a little bit. You mm. you like that section where Aubameyang was in the middle, but maybe that was the section where we were actually starting to play well enough behind Aubameyang for him to do that, for him, his his positioning to naturally rotate closer to the center. Um, but, but I haven't really... I can't prove that. I'd have to go back and look at that as to why we were able to do it at that point. I think, uh, like, um, to the the Willian discussion, I thought Arteta's comment was quite interesting. Uh, He says, 
but I, in reflecting on, if you like, the failed experiment, he says, but I think he will grow and understand better that position as we use him in other occasions. So we'll see this again. But Maybe. can I ask you a question? I mean, do you think we'll see this again? Or So I was confused by that comment as well, because when we switched to the back four against Sheffield United for that uh, period that I will now describe as our heyday, <laughs> uh, when we scored the two goals against Sheffield United with Obama Yang up front, Saka left, and Pepe right, and Willian was playing as more of a 10 in a midfield three, that role, I think we can all see him taking on this role again i mean do, do you think that he means more as a central player or do you think he means more as a center forward they're both but i think okay. he specifically means center forward this okay. is a very pep thing he did um and so i think this is a feature not a bug well okay. it was clearly a feature today uh, uh, but the, there's another piece to his to that particular sentence and he says maybe surround him with other players as well which makes me think he doesn't think it was all down to to Willian. I Maybe too would put eleven players on the pitch. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he thinks let me throw one out there. Maybe he thinks the issue was Pepe. Yeah, I mean that that's that's a conversation that probably is not for this episode necessarily. Understood. Because, yeah, Understood. but but I, I follow But you. I think um, it's very interesting that he says maybe surround him with other players. Look, the left well. side bias is not Pepe's fault. That doesn't mean Pepe isn't leaving a lot to be desired. But this left side bias thing is extreme. So Clive, I mean, you tell me. I I think our whole season now comes down to this. Can we get Saka into that position on the left that we we know he can do it, where he can beat a man, collect the ball both on the counter and in possession. I mean, some of his delivery into the box is brilliant. He almost put Aubameyang in with, with a brilliant cross. He he, he had a, a great chance himself. I, I think, I guess the way I would say it, Clive, is that what I see in Saka is all the things I don't see in Aubameyang. And, and when you see it, it, it clicks. Saka is a brilliant on-the-ball player. Aubameyang is not a brilliant on-the-ball player. And I think given our left-side bias, having someone who's not great on the ball, like Aubameyang, Playing on the left, where, where a lot of our buildup goes through. I mean, I know he scored plenty of goals. He's going to score plenty of goals anywhere. This is now zero shots at Anfield, zero shots at the Etihad for Aubameyang. If he's getting no shots, is he giving you enough in possession on the ball to be played in that position? So you tell me, is there a reason why you're fine with Tierney at this center back position and, and Sack as a wing back? Is there more to it than I'm seeing? I, I, I imagine so. So <laughs> I, I think you, you're slightly wrong on this right so i'm not massive as i used to be on formations because it's all about what you do out of the out of possession and in possession so out of possession we we field a five channels defensively and sackers on the outside but nominally we lined up as a four three three simple as that we had a false nine with two wide forwards and three in midfield you know sabias on the right hand side shaka in the middle and sack on the left that's when we got the ball we have that sort of shape, and Saka pushed up high on occasion, a little bit of rotation, not enough in my opinion, and which we all agree on, and that's it. So, when we, so going forward from now on, defensively, we will be always being five channels, always, mm-hmm. right? So, and when we attack, we always want to try to get into five channels when we're in charge. So, how we get there, how we rotate, how we move, that is the skill. Now, so. The Saka had his joy. Well, we all liked the Sheffield United game when we saw the shape because it's more standard. We could all follow it. We, we could see the 4-2-3-1, you know, a double pivot in behind. 
people moving on the right-hand side, dual-sided attacks, not just down one side. And the player that we like in the middle of the pitch because we feel as though he's clever enough to get on chances in different ways. We're all sort of comfortable with that. But we don't seem to see that as much as we should do. right? So, so I felt we were too clever in this game. So don't think about Saka playing wing-back because I don't think he, he does. What he can do is he can go in and out as required, as Mate and Niles did and does. And and I just think we just got to get used to that. We, we've got to think about the game in, in zones and what we do in and out of possession, rather than, I want a 4-3-3, I want a 4-2-3-1. However, there are periods in the game when certain people in certain zones just look natural. It doesn't mean we play that all the time, because there are different phases in the game, different scenarios, and we must be able to adapt to it. Yeah, look, Pepe, Willian, and Oba all had a shot playing centrally at some point during this game. So to your point, they move around, yeah. They move around, and and so for me, you look at Man City, and they they... they, they were they were trying to react to us, weren't they? They they did a back three. When does Pep ever do a back three? They're trying to react to what we're trying to do. They're trying to overload one side. They're trying to make sure they got sprinters down left hand side. So just adapt, just flip it, a flat adapt to them, and just sort of like just move Aubameyang in. And but then again, we 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 did a thing where Saka was the one that had all the joy. Maybe if we move Aubameyang inside, and you know, maybe that wouldn't be the case. Maybe they made an adjustment. So I just feel. What we're doing is we, we we all sort of have this optimal way of how you want to play in our minds, and it's not quite there. So we're fighting our analysis to say, we need to do this so it gets to that optimal way when we looked really good during that certain period. But who's to say that a coach on the other side is not going to block us from doing that? So there's two sides to this. I felt there was opportunity to adjust in this game. And I said earlier on, being creative is not just about the players you have it's about your intention if i take something away from this game i don't think we were brave enough and courageous enough and and determined enough to apply our attacking intent as we were to apply our defensive intent i think as a coach he needs to tweak the emphasis of his message to say we're good we're in these games now no more plucky little one goal defeat at the top six away how about going out there and smashing these people? Because I think we've got the ability to do it. Mm. And I don't think that message is getting across to the players. And I think just a bit more sharpness and a bit more intent from exactly the same players, and I think we're going to do absolutely fine. Yeah. Yeah, and look, I mean, I I think there there is a point, though, at which football is also about the, the stars, right? Like, I mean, if you look at football, like Barcelona are as good as they've been for as long as they've been because they've had a lot of good players. But it's predominantly down to Messi, right? And... And I think that that is true at all clubs, that there are a couple players that you need to get the most from to hit your ceiling. Manchester City do it with Kevin De Bruyne. Um, Liverpool did it with Salah and Mane, right? And I mean, you can talk about Trent Alexander-Arnold, you can talk about Firmino, but they they know the positions they got to get Sadio Mane and, and Mohamed Salah into to, to succeed. And that's true at a, at a lot of different clubs. And like, I just, look, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is 31 years old. He is a guy who is our principal scorer, and and really it's not close. I mean, no one's within 10, 12 goals of what he scores. We just gave him a record new contract at 31 years old. I can't believe we gave him that contract to try to feed through balls into space for Willian at 32 running behind who looks like his legs are gone anyway. I, I think there's a point at which no matter how intelligent Arteta is about football, no matter how intricate his thoughts and how um, clever he is at designing approaches in the five channels and all of that, I think it needs to be tweaked, Tim, 
to get Aubameyang into that center space more frequently. And again, mm-hmm. I, I get, look, there are going to be people who say, well, he scored this many goals from the left and this many... Saka driving past him while he's out on the touchline or him in deep midfield trying to unlock, un, un, unleash William in behind a high line from City or just the fact that at Anfield and Etihad, he had zero shots. Your 31-year-old to get a bumper contract to had zero shots. Like, there's got to be a better way. So, like, and it's not just about Oba to meet him because if Aubameyang is in the central space, you put Saka into a position where I think he can go up a level. You maybe eliminate... Some of the fact that our left side bias <clears throat> is playing through a guy on the ball who's not as good on the ball. Because to me, Aubameyang is as good a striker as there is in the league. He's a mediocre left winger on the ball, in my opinion. So mm-hmm. I, I get why there are people that think this is an oversimplification. But to what extent does can we do what Clive is talking about? Have this fluidity, have this, this five-channel approach that isn't totally based on system, but still try to get the most talented players into the channel where they can most influence the game. Yeah, I, I think um, between you, you and Clive have kind of got it spot on. So I, I think with Saka, I'm I'm like less exercised about his position because I think he gets into the areas, right? We're talking about him being our best player on the day and he absolutely was. And why is that? Because he was able to do really good things in really good areas. Um, so I'm less exercised about him, I guess, as a small modification with the kind of five lanes thing. Mm-hmm. And and I think this will happen eventually because he will just become too big to become part of the five defensive lanes thing, right? When he's 20, 21, we are not going to be asking him <laughs> to be playing left wing back. And that's, you know, that's that's not a slight on the system or the manager or anything. It's just he's too fucking good. Um, it kind of reminds me of Gareth Bale. You know, Gareth Bale yeah. started at left back, yep. then left wing back, then he got better and better, and then he was left winger, and then they started putting him on the right wing, and then centre forward, because he was so good, it was just like, right, we've got to get this guy on the ball as much as possible in places where he can hurt people, and I think that will happen with Saka, and um, and so I'm kind of relaxed about that, I think he's doing a good job now, I I. I personally would like to see him taken out of the five defensive lanes equation but i'm not massively exercised about it um and, and i think clive's right as well in that the thing is with our, i guess what has frustrated me about our attack is i see it as the strongest area of our squad i think our midfield's quite mediocre i think our defense is quite mediocre i i can't i understand um, why we're doing things we're doing with the system to kind of beef up those areas. I think we've got really good attackers. We've got a bam. We're talking about like whatever you think of Lacazette at the moment. He wasn't in the team. We had Lacazette and Nketiah on the bench, and we had Pepe, Willian, and Abamyang. Um, you know, in the in the three forward positions with Saka as well. So we had four like good, ranging from good to excellent attackers on the pitch. And and I think Clive's right there. There's something there about emphasis. But also, Elliot, to your point, yes, I think it's not as simple as I like Aubameyang. Aubameyang scores goals, put him in the centre. I think you're right. I think it's about what it does to the other parts of the team. Mm. Because, yeah, hasn't he scored exactly the same amount of goals ratio-wise from the left to centre-forward? And that says to me, that to me is not a reason to play him on the left. That says to me, if you're getting the same output then put him up front and put someone else on the left. Who's better there. Who is more, <clears throat> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and so we've got Saka. And and not only have we got Saka, but who else have we got coming up? Probably not this season, unfortunately. Martinelli. Martinelli. Yeah. Killer on the left. Another player 
that once he comes again, it's probably for next season. Once he's back, we're going to have to think about how do we get him into the team and get him into the areas that he's really good in. And all of this is pointing to not being a Bamiang on the left. And to your point, Elliot, when, um, you know, when they discussed his contract, I can't believe that they didn't sit down and say, here's how we're going to get you a shitload of goals. Here's how we're going to get you golden boots. Here's how you're going to get your goal scoring bonus. I, I, I believe that that discussion must have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in fairness as well, as much as I've expressed doubts about where this attack is going, we did try to sign our this summer. We, did, we, we evidently tried. We tried to bring another creative piece in who likes that left side. So again, that must have been about taking Aubameyang away mm. from that area a bit. So I, I guess to, to, to slightly moderate my view on, on the instant reaction pod, I, I do think that maybe there is a roadmap um, here, but we just haven't seen it yet. Um, and, and, you know, the fact that he was willing to do it against Sheffield United, um, so so I, I think there's a lot going on here. Um, but to your point, Elliot, and, and we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that Aubameyang has played up front in moribund games where he's had six touches and done nothing. But I think at the moment, this is as much about Saka as it is about Aubameyang. I, I think when you look at someone like Arteta, who is so good at creating a system that isn't based on individual brilliance, but is structured and does allow for each player to play their role, then getting players into their optimal role can actually be more helpful because what you're saying is if the system works right, you will have access to those players in their best areas. And I I think that 15-minute stretch in the first half where we were really good at the end of the half really proved that because the one thing, you know, with Arsene Wenger's football had this going on a lot, and I'm not saying Arteta should should employ Arsene Wenger's football, but the one when it worked, whether it was Alexis and Ozil and, and Awobi or, you know, w- w- Van Persie and Nasri and, and Theo and, and Fabregas, like there were these triangles on the edge of the final third and on the box where players could play balls quickly and play through, you, you know, the quintessential goal, the Norwich goal, right, was Giroud and, and, and Wilshire and, and Ramsey used to do, like those triangles on the edge of the box have kind of vanished a little bit in and been replaced by a bit of this wide play, and and I understand some of the reasons why and the structure it's given us defensively. But when we did some of that against City, it looked really good, and just mixing a little more of that in would be so helpful, Paul. I mean, the, yeah. Sorry, sorry I was mm-hmm. I was just going to add just as an absolute final mm-hmm. that we have those triangles on the left. They need to move infield another ten to fifteen yards, I think. Yeah, and and maybe vary it and have have them on the right occasionally wouldn't hurt so much either. Um, I mean, Paul. It, I realize it's just not as simple as saying play Oba centrally. One thing that I want to ask you, I know you want to add on what we've been discussing, but I also want to get your thoughts on this. Playing William at center forward was a bad idea and it didn't work. <clears throat> okay, he tried something. You're not going to kill a coach for trying something. He had an idea, it didn't work. One of the reasons it didn't work is the stuff we've talked about. Another reason it didn't work is because William maybe sucks. And like, I hate to bring this up, but like, do we have to have a conversation about William? However bad he's looking now, we've got him another three, four years. Like, what's he going to look like two years from now? I mean, he's tried him on the right, he's tried him on the left, he tried him at center forward, and he played a little bit at 10 against Sheffield United. The legs look heavy to me. Real heavy. So, talk me off the ledge here on the William thing. You can get into how the, the, the front three worked or didn't work, but part of the reason it didn't work is he just couldn't do it. He couldn't play the role. Now, to some extent, I know Arteta had the, the defense of him, which is he's got to learn that role, but... To me, he looks like a player who is a step or two off the pace. 
Um, I don't have a huge amount to say on Willian because apart from the first game where uh, it looked like he really had a role here, it, um, and the, he played instrumental roles in the two goals against Sheffield United. Um, outside of that, he's he's. Uh, I'm floundering a little bit as to how we're going to use him. I don't think it has clicked yet for Willian. And I think we got to give that time. I is it a click thing th- or is it a physical? Like, like, do you see a decl- just? I, I'm not asking you to kill the guy. Do you see a player that, in your view, looks like he's lost a step? I mean, compared to 26 year old Willian, sure. Okay. Uh, that's <laughs> just enough. a given. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I think he's fast enough. I think he's physical enough. Mm. I think he's technically good enough to be useful. I mean, I don't, I don't love the deal because it's a three-year deal, but I'd still be okay with the two-year deal. Um, I'm just even talking but, about what we get from him now. Forget the deal; that's another conversation. Sure, sure. Um, I think uh, I, it's just a question mark for me. We got to give that one more time. Um, certainly, uh, the pro Willian case doesn't feel very strong right at this moment, but we got to give it a bit of time. The, uh, Arteta clearly likes something about Willian. He starts him every freaking game. Um, so we got to give that time. He's he's seeing something there. I don't fully see it yet, but I've always liked Willian. I liked him at Chelsea right up till we got him. Um, I, I can see why it should work. I can see why he's a player who can drop into midfield. Uh, I wouldn't start him as a 10 or, or as a, a false nine, but the guy from the, the right or uh, dropping into midfield and becoming that extra midfielder, I like that. But, but the the bit I really wanted to bite on was we're judging the performance against City based on what it was rather than what Arteta intended. And he has a couple of comments in there about how he was very pleased that we were that we kind of took them on, that we were aggressive eventually. But he was very frustrated by the first half. We were too deep. Um, so there's a certain amount of intent. We didn't actually play the way he wanted us to play for a significant portion of that. Now, the second half, I don't know. I, I, if I were him, I would have phrased it more towards the end of the first half and the beginning of the second half because we ne- we never quite pushed on in the second half. And I also think they dialed it back a little bit. They kind of managed the game for a while too. So uh, you, you can't get it all to yourself. But at least we see where he's that he is not happy about playing this deep against City. Um but to me, there was still a significant progression to how we would have played them some time ago. Uh, I think we did kind pretty much try to match them. And the goal is us trying to match them. This was, there was a naivety in the sense that the only screen we had in front of our defense was Sabayas, who is not my idea of the screen you want in front of your back line. Uh, Chaka was upfield pressing and was trying to get back. Um, and it was basically, in the end, three versus three. And that's not what you want to do against City. So we were we were actually attempting to be fairly attacking. And I'm with Tim. I kind of liked the chess game early on. I think we played out well from the back. They created two better chances than we did. Um, so they were probably worth a good, a good goal at that point. Um, it was a game of transitions. And our transitions were working well until we got to the final third. And their transitions, they just... They they reamed us on a couple of occasions. 
Mm. Uh, but I definitely think we're there's a line of progression here that we're at least in Arteta's mind progressing towards becoming more attacking. I don't know that I love it, but I find it interesting. I definitely see an attempt to move further up the pitch um, and to sit less deep without necessarily changing anything structurally. Confidence, uh, automa- automatisms, get up the pitch and get into better positions. And, and to me, the Aubameyang argument comes down a little bit to who, who we're playing and whether we're stronger than them or they're stronger than us because I want him through the middle if we're if they're stronger than us because he needs to get his touches. He needs to be able to run. You know, if you're playing City, I would prefer to see him start centrally and run into the channels uh, and then run back to centre as opposed to if you're playing a weaker team. kind of doesn't matter if he starts... Uh, if you position him on the left, he's going to get plenty of, we're going to have plenty of possession, plenty of opportunities to get him central within the game. So you can kind of move from out to in. Uh, But that doesn't seem to be Arteta's formulation. It's always from the left. Yeah. I I think in general, like there are things about the way we play that you really have to praise and, and don't get praised sometimes because of the kind of football we like. Defending is good. Like, we look solid and structured, and that's bad. And, like, defending is part of football. So I, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater and not praise the fact that we are a better team defensively than we than we were. But, you know, I mean, look, last season we converted at .13 goals per shot. Okay, so that was our conversion, 13%. 13% of our shots resulted in a goal. That was the best in the league. In other words... We were creating some of the best chances in the league and converting at the highest rate. That tells me that when we create chances, we create really good ones. That's a positive. That we don't create enough is the issue. Right now, we have eight shots per 90. That is second worst in the league. If you do eight shots per 90 and you convert them at 13%, which is what we did last season, you wind up scoring 39 goals in a season. Or 40. 39 and a half. Call it 40. 40 goals in a season. So as good as our defense is, if we are playing football that can generate about 40 goals, we know we're not going to get where we need to go. Um, You know, that's not the way football is right now. You know, even the mediocre top four teams that barely get there are scoring, you know, 67, 65, 63 goals. We need to to be able to score mid-60s, even low-70s would be good. Low-60s if our defense stays good. You need to score 60 or so goals, which means... No matter how great the chance quality is that we create, we need to create more chances. So I have a lot of appreciation for what Arteta has given us as a foundation. That foundation can't take us to top four if we don't layer on top of that a more effective attack. Now, you could say we played Liverpool already. We played Manchester City already. But you look at this Premier League. like We've got Leicester next. And Manchester United after that. And Aston Villa after that. Aston Villa have 12 goals for and 2 goals allowed. You know, City have been beat 5-2 this season. Liverpool have been beaten 7-2 this season. So, like, it is a crazy league. It There don't seem to be a whole lot of easy games that you can just circle it on the calendar other than Fulham and say we're going to smash them. So, Clive, I mean, um, my issue, I think, with this game is after halftime, I thought, we're going to be in this game because we had this great finish to the half and maybe we should have had a penalty or should have had an indirect free kick. I'm not super worried about that because I, I do think since he didn't make contact, it's a high boot, it's an indirect free kick, you know, wh- whatever. I, I know Arteta was exercised about it's a it. penalty. All right, then, then it's a penalty. Then it's a, But you know what? We didn't get it. Right. 
And we've never right. made this podcast about like raging yep. over missed because it's a missed call. And I don't understand what VAR did, why they didn't look at it. Fair enough. It's a miss. We should have had it. Okay, so let's take a quick break here to tell you about Manscaped. And then we'll come back. We'll talk about the second half substitutions. Look at the league because it's a wacky league right now. And, um, you know, it's really kind of wide open for everybody. So that'll be fun to discuss. But we got to take care of you. We got to get you Manscaped. So we'll take a break. We'll talk about Manscaped. We'll come back after that. Stay with us. Look, just because something's awkward to talk about doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about it. So we're going to talk about shaving your privates. And Manscaped is going to help take care of you taking care of your privates. They are a line of world-class men's below-the-waist grooming products. And right now I want to talk about the Lawnmower 3.0. Make this a Christmas gift for yourself, which becomes a gift for your partner. Make it a gift for your partner, which sends a message the right way. Or just give it to yourself for yourself because you love yourself and loving yourself is important. You know what doesn't say I love myself? Using an old razor in the shower and then nicking yourself up and having all kinds of cuts and abrasions and pain. That's no good. It also doesn't say you love yourself if you don't keep yourself trimmed and clean. Right? Trimmed and clean. You feel fresh. You feel better. These are hard times. Make yourself feel a little better about yourself. Now, why the Lawnmower 3.0? It's got a phenomenal long battery life. So you don't have to worry about it running out of battery. It's got a great charging stand. I just leave mine in the shower, though, because it's waterproof. So that's perfect. It's always in there when I need it. It's got a light so I can see what I'm doing. And with a ceramic blade and 7,000 RPM motor, you get no trimming incidents, accidents, injuries. Avoid that. Look great. Feel great. Take care of something that you should take care of. And just because we don't talk about it doesn't mean it isn't important. So go there. Manscaped.com manscaped.com please use the promo code arsenalvision because that'll save you 20% and give you free shipping manscaped.com promo code arsenalvision you'll get 20% off and free shipping go there now get your lawnmower 3.0 and take care of yourself be good to yourself do it now okay we're back and hopefully you enjoyed that or tolerated it and what we're going to do now is talk a little bit about the second half the substitutions and look ahead towards upcoming fixtures in the league generally because it is a pretty crazy place right now. The second half maybe bothered me more than the first half. Um, what I think bothers me is we come out in the second half. The second half, we have two open play shots. One is in the first minute of the half. So in 44 minutes of football, we have one one open play shot. We have a couple of free kicks that we inexplicably give to David Luiz. No more of that, please. Um, if I want to praise the first half in the sense that we had a plan, we sat organized to start the game. We wanted to stay in the game. Then we put a little bit on them at the end of the first half. Then I have to criticize the second half, Clive, as not not evincing enough desire to get back in it. This felt to me like Arteta thought losing 1-0 was better than losing 2-0, if you follow what I'm saying. That, like, that, that he would have been happier to lose 1-0 than push for the equalizer and lose 2-0. I'm not saying that's how he felt, but that that's what the performance looked like to me in the second half. So if you had to criticize this performance, is it actually just a second half where we never really seemed to say it's time to go get the equalizer, that we never showed that, that adventurousness? Yeah. Uh, we should have taken some previous words. I think we had the handbrake on, didn't we, offensively? Um, I think it's what's changed. There was a period not so long ago, and I mean not so long ago, when these teams just, just did not respect us. They did not set up for us. They did not care about us. They just ran through us, got 3-0, and started making subs for the next game. That's what we've seen away from home against the top. City, 
and Liverpool in particular, we've seen that um, for quite a while now, where we're just trying to hang in there while we're getting blown off the pitch. I noticed that Klopp definitely respected us. Definitely did. He sent his team out, fired up after we'd, we'd beaten them in, in recent games. I know that City also respected us, changing their shape, trying to stop us playing out from the back. They definitely did that. We could see that in front of us, playing the back three. When has Pep ever played the back three? These things are not just done for chance. They're done because we're quite good. Mm. And people have now stopped. From a coaching perspective, we are probably one of the most well-coached teams in the league. When we ever said that as podcasters, it's obvious we can see it. But now we've been set challenges that we have to overcome. And the way to overcome those challenges, we've got the players, is with our intention. We have to be far more positive. And this is why Saka was all our man of the match, because he didn't care. He just went for them. He just ran at them. He broke lines. He was he was brave. I thought Tierney, in his, in his intention to play, was quite similar. Quite front-footed, quite aggressive. Gabriel, quite aggressive, kind of get stuff. I thought Louise the same. It's important that when you get set challenges in a game that's outside of the pattern, you need to come outside the pattern now and make shake things up, that you have the intention to go and do it. And I felt a few of us were too happy in our shape, in our system, in our comfort. And we have to go out there and shake these teams up and realise, actually, you're getting respect now. But when you're getting respect and you get scouted as an individual and people are trying to stop you, that does things to your mind. That makes you feel quite, oh, wow, they're trying to stop me here. They're trying not to let go on the ball. And sometimes it can shake you out of your game. You've got to have a massive personality to come over and overcome that and then still deliver your game on top of them. So I think, I keep coming back to it, aggressive intent, emphasis, I think we show a real desire to be a proper coach football team, but I don't think we show the same desire to run behind people, to take the ball up to people. I just think we just go through it and we still are a little bit of Bamiyang obsessed and waiting for him to do something. I just said something on the on the back channel there. In the last three games, Bamiyang's had the least touches of any Arsenal player on the pitch. Mm. So wherever he's playing... It doesn't really matter. That has to change. We have to play to our, our star fours a lot more. He cannot have the least touches on the pitch. We know he's not a high-touch player. And no shots. We've got, <laughs> and, no, and no shots, right? We can't have this situation where that's occurring, right? So we need to change our, our messaging. We need to change in how we're approaching the game. We need to be far more aggressive uh, offensively. Defensive aggression was good. We squeezed up behind them. We stopped them doing things. We got done on the goal because we got over-attracted and didn't get any contact. And they, our ability to contract once we've been transitioned is still questionable for me. Once you break us and we have to recover and contract into small spaces, I worry about our intention. I worry about our skills now. I worry about our ability, our physical ability to do that. But we, I tell you now, defensively, we are excellent. Offensively, we were patchy and I felt we lacked a little bit of belief. Is that is that the right word to say? Do you think we lacked a bit of belief? When you well, saw intention. it live, did you, you feel know, that emotion? Did for, you feel that emotion? Did you believe we were going to score? When I watch it cold, I felt we lacked belief. I don't know what you guys felt. Yeah, I don't think we attacked the space behind them. I, I just don't think there was a willingness to do that. And I don't know what it was. You know what's funny? I don't... I haven't watched it again. I guarantee someone got the hairdryer from Arteta about their goal, though, because it's the one time we press high up the pitch, and both Ceballos and Shaka press, and they both get caught. And to be fair, we nearly nick it off them, and it could have been a dangerous transition. But they managed to play their way through. And Clive, 
I'm telling I'm you. tell you what happened on yeah, the Yeah, because there's there's no way that could... Someone didn't flow back to fill the space. Okay. The way we've been playing, someone's always flowing back when the other person triggers. And this time, both center midfielders triggered, and they had all the space but in the world. And Tobias was in our back line, though. So no, let me, let me no, no, they me, both no, pressed. Let me tell you, yeah, me tell you they didn't press, they didn't press. What happened was, Gabriel creeps out. He gets creeps out. So he creeps out the back line onto Aguero. Mm-hmm. But Aguero didn't really get the ball. They decoyed around him. So Gabriel then jogs back in, but he doesn't jog back in in contact with Aguero. And so Bias pulls right, was in the back line. And so, but he didn't empty. So he didn't say, get back out into midfield. And they found a line between them. Mahrez found the line between them. And then we're now into recovery mode. When Bellerin now recovers, what Bellerin does is the number one thing you never do as a fullback, you never show the guy your number. He turns fully around. Right, he comes across, and what you do when you come across to a man on the ball and you're sprinting, you have to slow down, adjust your feet, bend your legs, bend your back, show him one way. Right, he doesn't, he gets spun inside, shot, parry into a dangerous area, block. That's all that happened. So, we didn't. Gabriel got attracted, Tobias stood in, he stood too deep, too long. There was a line to pass through, and the line of pass went across the pitch, he zigzagged across the pitch. We're now into recovery mode. We didn't cover smart, parry, goal. Unfortunate, very minor mistake, very minor mistake. But that broken open the play, and that shows you our weakness. Our ability to contract once we're broken was not smart and not intelligent, and that's why we got done. Yeah, and I have to, Paul, you're right. Ceballos is in the back line at the end. What, what it is is I, I, I've kind he of said it out. wrong. He, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. So, so Shaka presses, they play him behind him, and then Ceballos thinks he's going to intercept but doesn't get there. Right when the ball goes to Aguero, and now watching our central midfielders try to run back to defend is is not you don't you don't want to be watching that. And like I can understand why Arteta has built this system that he's built in a, in a sense because we can't be running back towards our goal. That's that's a, a mess. When there that ends happens. up being no screen. I mean, if our midfielders were hyperspace, there it would made no difference to that play. They run mm. around Tobias and. It's not Chaka's fault. I think he's doing exactly what he was asked to do. Oh, yeah. He's bypassed in the first phase of play, which I don't think is his fault. I agree with that. Um, If if Gabriel doesn't get attracted, we don't concede that goal. Yeah. It's as simple as that. If Gabriel stays in his slot, they're not going past him because he's fantastic. So that's where the cover of covering him allowed the space in midfield for them to break on us. Since we're talking about it, finish off on this, Tim. Do you have any issue with Leno there? I mean, I think the shot is so close to him and so struck so hard. I don't think he has a chance to parry it out wide. I mean, mm. he, I think he's a little unlucky, but I know some people uh, are going with the Martinez would have caught it meme. Um, <laughs> do, do you think that Leno has to punch that wide, or do you think that it's it's struck so firmly from close enough that he doesn't have a chance? I mean, in an ideal world, of course, he, he in an ideal world, he catches it with one hand and Bowls it down the other end of the pitch, but kicks it into the other. Yeah, in the ideal world, he kicks it into the net. <laughs> That's what Emmy Martinez would have done. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, no question. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I I agree with you, Elliot. I th- I think um, I I think it, it it's. T- Do you know what it reminds me of? Um, it reminds me of a goal we conceded um, in 2013 in the FA Cup. We got done at home by Blackburn, and I remember Chesney caught a lot of heat for parrying a shot outwards and actually what happened was it was so close into his body that uh, I think similar with Leno here he's not stretching Can't if you're stretching arms, yeah. and you fingertip it mm. it's far easier to push it to the side whereas if it cannons off your forearms 
Um, well, I don't think it does cannon off his forearms, but I, I think you're right. I think the shot's hard. It's fast. It's quite close to him. You can see he extends his arm out. He's trying to get it, I think, to the side, but it all just happens a bit too quickly. And it's one of those It's one of those goals that, yeah, when you look at it in slow motion, um, you go, oh, God, he should have parried that wide. But I think goals like that is what it's worth watching them in real time because one of the things that struck me as well watching the game live and looking at my Twitter timeline, nobody had a problem with it until the replay. And look, I get it. The, the game's very fast and the guys um, have to be able to, you know, professionals adapt to that. They adapt to the speed of situations better than we do. But I think it's one of those things that looks worse you know, on a slow-mo replay from behind the goal than it does in real time. I think um, when it comes to mistakes on goals, there are things like, you know, Gabriel slightly popping out or Sabayos slightly, you know, these like half mistakes slightly missing an interception. But really, you can tell the first time you watch a play back when you watch at normal speed. You can tell when someone's made a real mess up and when they haven't. And I I think that's another half error, uh, really, no more than that from Leno. The error, honestly, and it's not error, but is the the slip when he tries to get up after parrying it because he the ground comes out from under his boot. And I think if he gets back to his feet, if he's able to get up after the first parry, I think he's got a chance to keep the the, the rebound out, but he slips. So, so that's an interesting one, Elliot. My, my feeling on that, because I thought about that, and my feeling was he slips because he realizes if he doesn't get there instantaneously, he's screwed. Yeah. I, I think it's... It's a bit like if you hit the shot hard enough. I think it's an optical illusion. I think he knew Sterling had the drop on him, and that's why he kind of, that's why the feet go out from under him. He wasn't going to make it in time, and it makes it look worse because he slipped. But I think he knew the jig was up. That was my reading of it, anyway. Yeah, fair enough. So let's talk about the end game here. Let's talk about um, what I think is really the. The critical issue, and Tim, like for me, I, I am able to see the way we have built a structure that makes us more solid, that lets us, um, look, if you're if you're get conceding 30 shots a game and just three, four, five goals going past you, like, it doesn't matter what you do at the other end. You're never going to be a competitive team. You're never going to win anything. And mm. that was the first thing Arteta had to get solved. This isn't his third or fourth week in the job, okay? <clears throat> We're almost a season into it now. So I think it is fair to say he's got to now turn the corner. And by turn the corner, I mean, all right, you tighten things up at the back, now you got to turn the corner and show us you can get a little more going at the other end. I am frustrated by how this game played out because I don't think we ever really put them under pressure. And I think defensively they're weak. And this wasn't vintage City. This, I mean, the players on the pitch weren't vintage City, although they're still good and still carry threat. And... I, I think we could have gone for them more. One of the things that I hate, I think he did it against Villa last time we played. I can't. I don't know what game it was. What game was it? Maybe not Villa. Where he went in Kedia, Lacazette, and Aubameyang to finish a game. And it, it did not work. And he did it again here. And I, This is where I think he's still got a little bit of work he can do with his substitutions and how he tries to change the, the flow of a game. I understand putting three strikers on gives you three people who can score a goal, but it certainly doesn't give you a way to build that goal. And I thought once they were all mm. on, we we looked absolutely unable to cause them any trouble. So do you have an issue with with going with the three strikers, that those particular subs? The party thing, it is what it is. He had seven minutes, and it's a roll of the dice, fine. But but I thought the three strikers across the front line was was not effective and i i think in general mm. i i don't i don't understand how that's going to help you break down a team that's pretty well organized 
Yeah, no, I completely agree. And and it was kind of disappointing as well, because after the Sheffield United game, you thought, ah, OK, he's he's got it here where he made, you know, on the face of it, not a super attacking change. Because um, did, did he go Lacazette for Pepe? Was that the, the substitution against Sheffield United? So ostensibly he took off a centre forward for a winger, but obviously you change things around a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, and and I, I, I guess it depends. We're just going to have to wait a little bit of time to see if there's like a bit of a roadmap here, because it could be, you know, the manager, because he, he has said he wants his team to be adaptable. He wants them to be able to do different things. Um, and I guess he proved that by playing Willian up front, whether that was the right <laughs> thing. He tried to do something different or whether, um, you know, at the moment he's trying to drill this into them and then later like the modification part comes later when they're more comfortable doing what what he asked them to do but to be honest the the kind of playing willian up front thing suggests that that wasn't what he was trying to do here that is not a front three he selected before so this isn't a case of look we've just got to keep doing this and once we're a bit more comfortable then i'll start getting a bit fancier um, but yeah, I, I, I think he's got some distance to travel on these substitutions. I think particularly in this game where Pep knew what he was going to do. And, you know, we talked about him playing Kyle Walker as a right-sided centre-back and Kyle Walker, one thing he has got in abundance is recovery speed. He is so, so he, he's not a massively smart defender. I don't think, um, he's, he's not stupid. I don't think, but it, it's his recovery speed is so, so good. And um, and that was and they had, you know, Cancelo in this kind of quasi right back central midfield kind of role, um, which I think really worked well. I, I think it was the inability to adapt to that. Um, and we talked about that a bit, you know, the kind of, OK, City have understood what we're going to do here. Let's do something else and make them think. And we kind of did um, when we pushed Aubameyang Central and we got some joy out of that. And then and so I don't really get why we either didn't persist with that or then, you know, try and do something else um, a little bit different. And, and, and like I say, I do think we've got the options to do that. We have some good attackers and I don't think he's quite sorted out yet. Um, you know, the, the kind of, yeah, the, 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 how to make really good attacking substitutions. And, and maybe it's a case that he slightly overthinks them Um you know, I've said this before, but I think Wenger was great at attacking subs because what he used to do was not change the formation at all. He would just change the players in the formation. So he'd go, right, OK, I'm going to have Kanu and Wiltord wide. They're still going to be wide, but they've got real attacking instincts. And I'm going to put Pires central midfield. So, you know, that just changes the impetus. It doesn't change the shape. It just means I've got an attacking player there. And I, I, I wonder if... He ha- he, that's just something he hasn't quite learned yet. And that was stand to reason because he's been a coach, but he's never been responsible for substitutions before. And and uh, and I guess that's that's just the learning journey we're going to have to go on with him. Do you think, Clive, that that it was that he went with those subs because he still didn't want to expose us to, to conceding the second goal and he felt he could still play long to the three forwards and that was just going to be the way, you know, the three strikers and, and hope that he could get a long ball through or... I mean, do, do you think he, he wanted to try to play through them more? Because whatever it was, I mean, I, I think I said it before, but we had two shots from open play in the second half, and one of them was like a pot shot from distance from David Luiz. The other one was a header from Pepe with, within 45 seconds of the half starting. So we we didn't create the chances. Yeah. I mean, what what do you think is the, the thought process behind going with a, a front three that's, you know, three strikers? 
yeah, it didn't work. Right? Sometimes when you pick your first 11, you've got to think about the team you're going to end the game with. And his substitutions were forced, and he had to pick those players to end the game because they deserved to come on given the game state, and we didn't create anything from that. So, if anything, I actually was more disappointed in our second-half performance from a an adaptation point of view than I was with the first-half performance. Because I thought they totally started agree. well, but we came, we came into the game... And we showed our we showed our onions that we just didn't take our chances. That should have been one one at half time, and then we would have a deep breath and we adjust. I think what's you know you, know, you heard me say a million times the other team tells you about you, and everyone knows our left side left hand side with Tierney, Saka, and um, Abamyang. That's the crown jewels, right? So they did a big focus job on them, and, and it tells you that much like you know in some in basketball you let you let some guy have the three pointer. We're back to our right hand side. I'm telling you, mate, I'm not happy with it. I'm not happy with it. I'm not happy that we're not using it enough. Mm. We should be able to flip. The only time I was happy with our right-hand side was in that last game when Elneny played there, allowed Bellerin to push on, and then he dropped into the back line a little bit more, and, and Pepe got nearer the goal, and bingo, we're off and running. We've got to make sure we develop this right-hand side. So if someone does a Carl Walker, Cancelo on us, we can flip to the other side, and we can do something with those players on there. You know, I saw some things on the right-hand side channel, and I don't want to over-critique because it's something I think we're developing, and I think the players will get better once we put an emphasis on that side. We've got good players down that side. We all like them. You know, well, I have questions about some questions about Bellerin, but you know what? When he's hot, I don't, you don't hear me questioning. So we've got Bellerin, we've got Sabias on that side sometimes, and we've got Pepe, and we tend to like them, don't we? And William drifts that side on occasion. But they're not doing it. They're not getting it. We're not progressing. We're not using them enough. And teams are letting that side go and really crushing our left side. So got to do some more here. And sometimes when you attack down one side, when you switch play, you zigzag across. What you need on the other side is what, bigger space players. When you switch, you, they, they become isolated. So I'm looking at big space monsters on the right-hand side and intricate combination players on the left-hand side. So I'm not sure where, where, where we need to be. So this is where party comes in. Big space monster on the right-hand side of our centre midfield. And I'm hoping we then say we're going to use this side a bit more. Because as soon as we do that, we don't get keyed on like Pep keyed on us in this game. We've got to be... The, the best thing about Sheffield United was the fact we were both-sided. And that we need to get back to that. When we have that, we're going to overcome these teams. And I did hear something or read something. I think you're right, Eddie. You might have just said it, but if I missed it, sorry. That we didn't create a chance to open play for like 40 minutes in the second half. Yeah, we had, we had and, so it was and, Pepe's header in the first minute, and then the only yeah. other open play shot we had was a pot shot from David Luiz from like thirty yards out or whatever it was, and yeah. that's all we created the whole second. I mean, there were the free kicks, but that was it. Yeah. So we're getting respected. I think Paul's point earlier is really smart. It links to Tim's point about the the Leicester game. I think Man City was scarred by a Leicester game, and they sat off. They sat off us, closed the lines, gave us gave us the ball, gave us false dominance, and I think it is Pep's intention. Sorry, Arteta's intention to stay in the game and hit them late. And Pep knew it, and he wanted his goal. He got his goal with a fast start, and he said, you know what, we're not getting bopped up. We're not getting bopped again. We're going to sit in and try and work off mistakes if we can. They're going to want to play out. Let's try and nick it off them, but we're not going to get done. We've got to drop in and fill the spaces and see if we can block them off and get on 1-0. And they got it. And that is a huge respect to our progression because no one cared about us six months ago. No one cared. No one put these plans in place. But we have to adapt to this now. We're good. We gotta get used to it. We're mm. good, and we gotta get used to it. And be far more aggressive in our intention to play. Well, then, then let me ask something, because Paul, 
I, look, I, I just don't think we pushed enough for the equalizer. I think this was an unfortunate case of Arteta liking losing 1-0 enough that he chose not to draw 1-1. That, that sounds harsh. Let me rephrase. I think he was more scared of losing 2-0 than he was desirous of, of drawing 1-1, I guess is the way to put it. Because I, I don't think... Based on his assessment of which was more likely as well. I think, yes. I think he saw the risk. And yes. the risk was the downside. And, and, he, and he has that issue. to play a little safe. Because I'm going to tell you something. You know, we all talk about that Sheffield United game, guys. Um... The Sheffield United game is an interesting one because when we went to the back four and we played that formation we all love so much, after we got the two goals, do you remember what happened after that? They absolutely slashed through us a couple of times and Arteta scuffled back into that back three formation as fast as you can imagine. If, I mean, I don't know. You know, we, we got so focused on when we went to the back four, back, back four and scored those two goals and yes, that's the way forward that I think, watch the Sheffield United game again. They were cutting through us after we got it to 2-0 in that game. And he had to he had to revert back to the back three to rescue that game, which got really tense at the end. I think Arteta just has this fear that without this structure, we are vulnerable. And maybe party will change that. But but here's what I wanted to ask you, Paul, because it's Leicester next. Then it's United after that. Then it's Villa, who are, you know, say what you want. They look freaking good. And then it's Leeds away, who look good. And then it's Wolves. And then it's Spurs away. Before we play Burnley, Southampton, okay? And then it's Everton away. My point is, this isn't a league right now that has a lot of easy games where you just say, oh, well, this is the game where clearly we'll trot out the attacking formation we've all been waiting for. Paul, I think it's going to take bravery. I think he's going to have to start to make the change to a a side that creates more chances and puts teams under more threat because the game... there's not going to be some game that opens itself up and says, here I am, here I am, the game the game for you to attack. Like, it's not going to be Leicester, it's not going to be Leeds, it's not going to be Wolves, it's not going to be United, it's not going to be Spurs. So, like, does he just have to say the time is now and do it? Does he have to be brave and, and make this change? Or do we have to swallow our pride a little bit and say, this is going to be a team that emphasize, emphasizes more defensive football and tries to win with fewer chances? Like, what, what do you think the more likely outcome is? Uh... Look, I'm going to go with the crawl, walk, run that we need to be patient. Uh, We need to appreciate where we've come so far and trust the process. It doesn't mean you have to love it. It doesn't mean you have to love the football. It doesn't mean he got this game right. I mean, you want us to to have more attacking intent. Go back and look at that goal and see what the real reason we got done was. Everybody was forward. Yeah. One time that game. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, guess what Arteta was thinking in the second half? I don't want to get done like that again. You know, we're more secure at the back when we don't do the kind of shit that gets us done at the back. Like, it was kind of classic Wenger, kind of late Wenger years when we were getting... It was naive. I, I could almost see Arson taking that press conference afterwards and t- talking about uh, the night eve of tea of it. And I'd always think... but. But actually, they were pretty much doing what you would have told them to do. It. it the thing is, it's it's spotting the danger half a second earlier, and so it's a process, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's just a little off. Uh, Danny is maybe a little too deep. Then he rushes forward. It's small adjustments. He's the wrong side of Aguero, right? Uh, Bellerin overshoots a, a guy who's a, a left-footed player, Foden, uh, on that because. 
uh, he's uh, you know he's rushing back to get to him, and he thinks as long as the guy has the out, you know, he should have really shown him the outside, but I think he was afraid of the, the cut across on his left foot. So he mm-hmm. overshoots back and Foden has an easy cut in. There's two, three uh, smaller mistakes. And so I think it's a process. And we're, I keep using the pushing the, the toothpaste up the tube, but we're not there yet. And I think we get too aggressive we we are taking for granted the fact that we're a more solid team defensively and we're saying, all right, let's just attack now. I don't <laughs> think we're there yet. Um, it's going to be a really interesting run against tough teams, but maybe it's all part of the process to get better with each game. Um, but it's clear from Arteta's, I would say even his intent in the first half, he was being re- significantly more attacking than he would have been six months ago, three months ago, two months ago. Uh, and in fact, it was our undoing on that first goal. So we're still feeling our way. And he he's probably right not to want to lose 3-0 against Man City <clears throat> um, when things look good, uh, looked like we were well in this for 70, 80 minutes. Because when you look at the process, he's trying to build the confidence in the players to say it's safe to trust that we're not going to get reamed at the back. Uh, but getting beat 3-0, 4-0 in the last couple of minutes does nothing for a coach who then has to go back to these guys and say, hey, listen, guys, we're progressing. Well, yeah, you're not progressing if you get three or four, get reamed at the end of a game and you mm. feel stupid and players are embarrassed and players make individual mistakes. It sets you back. So I would su- I would suggest there is some merit. There is some intelligence in a manager who says, I'm looking at my risks here and I just I'm seeing more downside than upside. And yeah, I'm going to play it safe today. I I guess one of the things, though, when you're getting a result, even if the process isn't good, it takes a lot of courage to change. So, Tim, like we've discussed this on the pod in the past. If you're using the back three and the underlying metrics aren't great and the football doesn't look great, but you keep winning. It's hard to change. It's hard to change when the results are going your way, even if you know intellectually maybe the process is flawed. Aubameyang on the left was working in the sense that he was scoring goals and the results weren't bad. And so I think there was I think there was an intention to stick with it because the results were there even if the process looked flawed. Now we've got a couple of games where he hasn't had a shot. He's got our fewest touches of the last three games. He's not scoring goals. He's not in dangerous positions. Do you think the lack of outcome now, combined with questions about the process, will be enough that maybe Arteta will look at the tape from the last two games and say, you know what? I want Saka more advanced on that left side. I want Aubameyang more central. I need to see that now. It's time. Because, I mean, at the point at which you're trying Nketiah there and Lacazette there and Willie in there and you've, you've gone out of your way to do everything but the obvious, I get it. You, he obviously has a reason he wanted to do it this way. But now the outcome is caught up with the process, in my view. And what I mean by that is simply that the results aren't there. So do you think we will see, if, if you had to read his mind, do you think we will see for the next game, and I don't mean Rapid Vienna, I mean the Leicester game, Aubameyang, Central, and and maybe it'll be Saka, maybe, maybe it'll still be the back three and we'll, we'll go with another formation. But do you think that that change is coming and, and is that a change that has to come in your view? So I I do see it coming, maybe not quite that soon, um, but I do see it in the post. Um, you know, going back to what I said earlier about the the players we've got there and, and a player we tried to sign, which was clearly about 
for me about about kind of putting Aubameyang more central. I mean, I, I think the thing is, what you're saying there is is we've been found out, right? And when the Arsenal admin is clipping together goals we've scored and saying, look at these goals, they're identical. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like ev- every professional club now has analysts. Okay? Fucker should be fired. So, <laughs> so like if if the Arsenal admin has spotted that there is a trend to, <laughs> to the way that we build attacks and we're scoring these identical goals, I mean, teams are all over it, basically. So, um, And that's not to say we can never do it again or we can never use that space again or that if Aubameyang's playing central, he can't go from uh, inside to out. For example, I, we've just got to have more movements there. Um, I, I think basically we had we had like one ace up the sleeve and everyone knows about it now. And it was kind of really eye of the needle in the first place. And now everyone knows we're going to try and do it. So it's even more eye of the needle. It's like, you know, it's like trying to dodge lasers, um, basically, and particularly against teams as, as good as Man City and coaches as smart as that. And, and you know, look, Look at how um, the league's evolved now. Um, most of the coaches in the Premier League, uh, maybe not all of them, like like the likes of um, Allardyce, um, you know, that kind of manager, Mark Hughes, they're not in the league anymore. No one wants them because everyone wants flexible, adaptable coaches who can play different formations, who can respond to in-game scenarios. Look at Southampton going to Chelsea um, on, on Saturday. Uh, you know, they were getting... They were getting beat um, really, really badly. So Harson Hootel, he's a good coach. He's a tactical coach. He make he makes a little change and things change. And lots of coaches in the league can do that now. So, um, yeah, you can go to Scott Parker's Fulham and go and try and score that goal and they won't stop it. Um, they haven't got the players to stop it and they haven't got the coach to stop it. But most other teams are wise to you. And and so for me, it's yes, I think we do have to see um, Aubameyang in the cent in the centre eventually. But for me, it's just coming up with more patterns of play. It's like we've got. Did you ever see that Simpsons episode where Marge buys that Chanel dress? Um, yes, yeah, she wears it like she gets like, on discount. Yeah, and and then she ends and then like her like rich the friends make fun of her. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because she keeps wearing it again and again, so she keeps like modifying it. That's kind of what Arsenal have got to do. We can't go and buy a ton more Chanel dresses, so we need to modify it a bit and just, you know, let let's have another trick. Uh, you know, let's have another type of goal that we score. Um, I guess so. I, I'd say that is what I'm more preoccupied about personally. And basically, Pep closed down Obama Yang and said, "Show well, me so another you got- way you can beat me." Yeah, yeah. Clive, I mean, I, mm. I I think this is for me the whole the whole ball game. I keep saying it, but like we've given a record contract to a thirty one year old striker. He's had no touches, he's had no shots, he's not in the game. Our precocious young winger is showing that he's ready to go up a level and 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 I don't see how you can hold him back. Like this is a pivot point for me. All right. You've built the structure, Mikel. You've given us a foundation. You've shown that you can make a more modern team that attacks with five channels, defends in five channels, doesn't get transitioned as easily, has that discipline, can can have some fluidity to the formation during the game, but you know maintains its shape, distances are good, great. Now you've got to deploy those resources the right way, in my view. And so I think we should just finish on this. I mean... We gave this guy a big new deal in the summer. Everybody knows 
he's at the late part of his peak, and and if he has a three more sensational seasons in him, I don't think it's going to be running the touch line, trying to feed balls into William and behind and, and help the fullbacks defend. Like I just that can't have been the plan when we determined if we were going to de- you know use these resources this way. So, I mean, when does this change have to happen? Does it not have to happen in your view? What's what is your ultimate take on? Because right, look. When you're starting Willian as a false nine away at City, clearly that part of the pitch is a work in progress. He's tried everything else. Why not this? Yeah, so I'm fighting my urge to just say stick our best player up front. Right? It's almost like a school school time football. I mean, that's what Occam's break. Razor would do. He's a, he was a buddy <laughs> I went to school with, a guy named Occam's Razor, and he used to always tell me, hey, the, the simplest explanation is the most likely one. Good guy, you would have liked him. Hakeem. I, went, I, Hakeem's I went. I went to school with a kid called Ray Daniels who ended up playing for Luton and just stick him up front. He scored the goals, right? Mm-hmm. But not really developing. Just stick, just kicking it to Ray. Detaining, part of me just said, just stick a Bamiang up front, and that's the easiest thing to do. But the statistics will tell you, he scored just as much from the left. And I, and I, I came onto the podcast days after watching the game, thinking it's all about intent. It's about intent, but actually, it's about you know not just offensive intent. It's about offensive variation of rotation. I think offensive freedom, that's what I was looking for. We've got to have the freedom, just like we feel our five channels in defense. We fill our five channels in attack, and it doesn't matter where you are. Just be in those channels. I think we need to be less rigid, a little bit more free to try to find the dopes that are in the other team's defense. And I think we have to allow this guy. For me, his biggest strength is freedom of movement and to arrive whatever he sees, and he needs a big space to arrive from it. I think if you put him down the middle continually, he'll just play in a smaller space. Well, actually, I think you can play in a bigger space. That's better from slightly from the side. But if he wants to go inside, then we got to have someone else on the outside to have the ability to have that freedom of movement. It's, it's really important we feel free to attack. I think that underpins the intent that we need to show in attack. Now, it's very difficult when you statistically everything, all our goals come for Bamiyang. Again, if we add variation on the right-hand side, then we get more from Pepe, we get more from Saka, we get more from other players. We'll feel less bound to put him in this highest optimal position, which so far on paper is on left-hand side, which is not the case in every single game, because every game's got its own story. I think freedom, emphasis, intention to attack, it's not just to get Ozil in or Noir in. It's about having that mindset that says we're going to move we're going to dance we're going to shuffle down the right hand side a little bit more we're going to attack down there we're going to vary things the goalkeeper's going to go it's easy for a righty goalkeeper to go left it's just easier it's an easier pass it's much harder to go in to out on the right hand side but let's use it a lot more let's move people around let's create the yard city got us on one yard gap literally one yard gap and it, it costs us the game we need to do more of that and that comes from freedom I think, but Paul's point earlier on is really important. This is where we are in our process. It is as simple as that. And, it, and every time we go to another game, it reveals our next learning point. And it's important. And I'll tell you, so far, he's, he's a really quick learner. But it's, we've got a set of games coming up now which is going to identify that problem or not. How quick is we learn or not? Because we're in good shape, right? We're in the next two or three games. We're in really good shape. You know? So um, I think we've learned a lot from these games. But the next phase is around the corner of who you want to be. And I think we'll soon know in about two, three weeks' time about exactly where we are. Yeah, and you see why, by the way, like you need to get more shots because it's about, um, you know, plus minus EV, whatever they call it, or, you know, expected value and all that. But but just like 
some you might just call it riding your luck, right? Because the point is, this was a pretty close run thing, ultimately. They got the goal, we didn't. But we never put them under enough pressure and created enough chances for it to go our way. We had one big one. It was Saka. Didn't you're not gonna score every chance, right? Um last season when we were at the top of the league, we scored thirteen percent of the time. So the point is just like Against Leicester coming up, against United coming up, keeping it tight, keeping it safe, six shots, eight shots. Like Again, I get why we're at that stage of our process, but if you don't give yourself more chances, you're asking yourself to score you know, 20 30% of the chances you get, and you just can't do that. And ultimately, the only way you get three points is to score a goal, right? Like Zero goals gets you zero points or, or one point, but it doesn't get you three. So this is a long way of just saying that to give ourselves more of a chance we we have to put the opposition under more pressure. And, and Tim, I think it's... Uh, what I wanted to do as a final thing here is, is talk about where the league is right now because also there's an openness to the league in a sense. So, But but before we do that, and, and Paul, give you a shout on that too before we say goodbye, but like, I'm struggling for the way I want to articulate this, but I think what I'm saying is I respect the structure that is in place, but I think its ability to achieve three points on a regular basis is limited because at the end of the day, the the number, we, we covered it before, right? You have to score a certain amount of goals to finish in the top four. You have to create a certain amount of chances to score a certain number of goals. And if we don't do that, we can look really nice. We can build really well. We can be really structured at the back. And we'll have a lot of one nils and one ones that we're talking about not quite creating enough threat. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think your point there really is, Unless Arteta is doing something absolutely revolutionary, this all comes back to the idea that Arsenal have to have more shots on goal. And we have to find a way to have more shots on goal. Yeah. I don't know if you watched, um, I know in your part of the world, it's very early in the morning. I don't know if you caught any of the Merseyside derby um, on Saturday lunchtime in the UK, but I watched it and, um, you know, like really unstructured, like a good game because it was really unstructured and mm. it was a bit messy. Um, and it went backwards and forwards. But I was watching Salah in that game. And there's there's a lot to not like about Salah, I think. I think he's a really greedy player. And that's always like really like offended me on some deep level when I watch a team. I hate greedy players. But you know what? He had so many shots in that game. And like almost all of them were total crap. He kept scuffing the ball. He kept like not quite catching it. But then... He only had to catch it once and he caught a brilliant one once and it should have won Liverpool the game. You know, it puts them in the lead late on. And I was just looking at him and I think I tweeted at the time, like he he's a death by volume player. The best and players in history score one out of five, not one out of two. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, what's like, what's Harry Kane doing? What's Raheem Sterling doing? Raheem Sterling is not a brilliant finisher. He misses some absolute shockers, but he gets lots and lots of shots, and that's that's the difference. That's one of the things that data. That's the one of the ways that data has had a really tangible impact on what happens on the pitch. Is that a lot of these top strikers, and I hate to say it, but Harry Kane as well. And son and what they have realized is keep fucking shooting <laughs> because it's a low scoring game and you've only got to get it right once and um and and well, look I, at man I think... city's game right the foden yep. takes a, a pretty shit shot but he hits it hard at the keeper and gets yep. us a gets them a goal yeah yeah precisely liverpool precisely. take 19 shots per game 19 
<laughs> I mean, it's, and not, it's not, a lot. Not all of them are judicious. Sometimes no. Mane tries shit and it looks ridiculous and he falls over. And sometimes Salah screws his shot. And sometimes he annoys people because he shoots instead of passing. But eventually they score Can I ask a question? Yeah. Why do you think, and seriously, one of the reasons why we're not getting shots is our technical security in the last third and our decision-making and way to pass is actually pretty poor. Mm-hmm. It's really poor. We're not very we're not very technical up there, and and that's probably another reason why he wanted to put the most secure player he could think of in those areas to create chances for our two sprinters. Yeah, yeah. We've got we've got a quality gap there. We really have. I watch it. I watch it. I tell you, I watch it really closely, and the amount of times I go, ah, oh, we nearly had a pass for a shot, and we don't. Yeah. You know, or we have the Enketia touch where the goalkeeper smothers it because he's touched it too heavy. And that's not a shot. Do you know what I mean? It's his technical quality under pressure. Yeah, there's that one guy. There's one guy who has it, and his name is Pukayo Saka. And that's it. it. <laughs> he has the exclamation. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Saka has the technical quality mm-hmm. in the last third, and you have one guy. It's a great exclamation point, mm-hmm. and we got a lot of nearly lads. We got a lot. But the of exclamation nearly point players. guy has got chalk on his boots. <laughs> that's part yeah, of what we're exactly. driving at. So here. we got a lot of nearly. Do you feel me? We're not. Look, look at the game again. I said that, and I tell you now. Even look at the last five games. And think how many chances we could have had. Yeah, well, so, down to quality. So, Paul, then let's finish with this because this is the point about you know the prizes you want to win. This league seems wide freaking open. There is a big risk to throwing away the structure we've created. I get that. You know, you slip into mediocrity as you're conceding two or three every game, and you can't overcome that. There is a big reward to being braver, in my view, and the reward is the league is just wide open now i'm not going to get crazy and say we're going to win the league i mean we probably are not it's probably going to be liverpool or city despite all this maybe not liverpool with the van dyke injury but it's probably going to be city but like there's no denying how open it is there's no denying how different this season is we play all of our big rivals away with no fans in the stands so like and to be fair i doubt there'll be fans back in the stands this season at all the way it's going but with the extent to which the league is open and there are no easy games and there is no real run, I mean, Fulham aside, real run where you're, you're just going to wait for the season to give you points. Does Arteta have a, a, an, an unusual reward for being brave here and, and, and taking the reins off a bit in that it's just a chaotic open league and if we can put a, you know, put a, a marker down and start attacking a little more, there, there's something to go for here. You know, it, it is open to us. Yeah, no. I'm going with no. Um, uh, I, I hear where you're coming from, and you'll make a compelling case on it. Unlikely. But it's, <laughs> it, it's still a 38-game season, and he's got to build and build and build. And, you know, he has his style. He has his style of management. I think he's kind of a bit – I said this on the, the post-match uh, response. I think he's a little bit control freaky. It's just who he is. Um, if that. he were Klopp, he'd be heavy metal. Let's bash him up front and we'll we'll fix the midfield then and we'll fix the defense. But that's not how I don't think that's how Arteta <clears throat> thinks, feels, etc. And I'm 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 not wed. You know, I, I love attacking football, but I don't really care. I like good football. But most of all, I like us winning. And so uh, you know, I actually kind of enjoyed the first half chess match in this, uh, all, although it was not where I wanted it to be. So I'm okay if I can see what we're doing. I think I can see what we're trying to do. We, we've now brought in party, 
um, when maybe some of us wanted a war before party because we thought uh, creativity in the final third. I, I certainly spent some time feeling that way. But a game like this still tells me we need a really good screen and a player who can himself move us between our third and the upper middle third or provide the platform for other players. Maybe Sabayas pushes up. So I think we just got to keep pushing the toothpaste up the tube as quickly as we can, as firmly as we can. And if we get too many draws in the first half of the season, but we continue continue our progress as a team so that we get more wins as the season goes along. I'm okay with that. I, I don't think you throw away the rule book. I know that I'm exaggerating here. I know you're not mm. saying that. But in terms of philosophy, I don't think you say, hey, it's a crazy league this year. Let's start really going for it before you're ready to go for it. I don't think you lean out of your ski tips too far because you're Arteta, you're not Klopp. There are other ways of doing it. But it's not. It's clearly not Arteta's way. He's clearly building something. He clearly has a way he's moving this forward. And I think we got to be patient because we have the manager we have. Yeah, I get that. And, and don't get me wrong. I wasn't saying push the boat out because you could win the title. I'm just saying, like, sure. going into the season, I, I wasn't even sure that top four was there for us necessarily. I mean, I think that we were sort of making an incremental step back back towards that top four area and that maybe we didn't quite have what it took yet. But I, I think what I'm saying is, gosh, the the league is open enough. The top four teams all seem flawed. Or the teams I presume to be top four teams, you know, Spurs just hilariously threw away a three-goal lead at home to West Ham, and Chelsea, a similar situation, and, you know, I don't know what to make of United yet, but I think they're not great. Um, So, yeah, you guys, like, I I just think it's there for us, but, I mean, you go back. I'm looking at 2016. Let's see, can I go back another season? Sure, let's go back another season, 2015. You know, we all focus on XG and stuff like that, but just as sort of a basic, just a, a basic thing, right? Like, no team has finished in the top four in the last five seasons without averaging over 13 and a half, 14 shots per game. Now, I only make that point, and again, XG is a more advanced metric, but it's just like, the fact is, the reason you need to create more chances is because you're never going to score them all. And when you don't create a lot, you put so much pressure on putting away the one or two you get. And unfortunately, yeah. uh, in football, look, you just I can't agree do with it. you. Uh, it's more a question of how hard you push the pedal down. Uh, and I think we got to be, he, he can't do this all season. He can't play slowly, slowly catchy monkey the whole season. I, I don't even think he can wait for my scenario of halfway through the season, but, but you got to build and you got to get there as quickly as you can. Um, let's see what party does. And, uh, uh I think you're right. I just don't think you can do a step function from today to tomorrow and say, fuck it, uh, let's go for it. I get that. I get that. Yeah. But, you know, look, this is the other thing, too. Football waits for no man. You can't do mm-hmm. this thing of being like, this season is a throwaway. We'll get, you know, we'll get it no. start pointed in the right direction. And by next, like, I get that things are a process, but unfortunately football does not wait for you, you know? So, like, the process has to show improvement. So we'll see. Look. Big games ahead. All of these games are tricky. That's the thing, right? Leicester, United, Villa even. They all look tricky. And so I think the idea that now we've got Liverpool and City out of the way, it's smooth sailing. The Premier League doesn't give you that. Um, We'll we'll leave this and we'll do something ahead of the, the Europa League tie because I think 
And the irony is you could say the Europa League is an opportunity for Arteta to try things going forward to see if they work. But you also can't compete for top four if you're using Aubameyang, Willian, Pepe, party, you know, midweek and weekend. So he's got a tough situation where I think he has to rotate because it's an advantage and keep, keep fresher legs where the Champions League teams can't do that. But at the same time, he's got a lot of things he wants to try. I mean, you know, just the last point, actually, Clive, there was no real preseason. How much of what you see right now with Willian being tried on the right and the left and false nine, and we tried a, a back four briefly against Sheffield in the second half, like Sheffield United, like how much do you think we in particular, maybe more than most teams, are really struggling, suffering for not having had a preseason? Because this is a coach who came in middle of the season, holiday program, suddenly there's COVID, can't work with the players, now there's project restart, games every three days, can't really train, can't really prepare, doesn't ever get that time to get the group together and just try things and try a half, you know, in a preseason game to see how good. Like, do you think that that in particular has hurt Arteta's ability to implement some changes to his system? Because he put a system in place, let's be honest, that was just firefighting. Emery, we're at the bottom of the barrel, as bad as we've ever been. He puts in a system, he writes the ship, but he's never had a chance to build a new structure on top of that because there's never been a break. There's never been a chance for him to work with the players. Yeah, so there's a there's a nice form of stability about Arsenal at the moment. In all the games we've seen, we've looked like us. We've been more attacking, less attacking, but we've looked like us. If you look at the other teams, they've had some crazy moments. Mm-hmm. Spurs had their crazy moments. Man United got done six. City, was it six or seven, got done. Um, these, there's been some crazy results out there. You know, West Ham did, you know, got beat by Newcastle at home in the first game. Looked like a great side since. There is a lot of instability and in inconsistent approaches by lots of teams. But of all of those teams, we look really quite consistent. In the games that we lost, we lose narrowly, but we look like us. In the games that we win, we win a little bit narrow, but we look like us. Every time I've looked on the screen, I can see us. Every time I look at the screen, I don't worry about our ability so much to cover the ground. I can see an intention, maybe not enough aggressive intention all the time offensively, but I can see us. I can see a team that's following the coach. Look at all of these teams that I've mentioned and look at the Everton and Villa in a purple patch. But the rest of them, all over the place, mate. Main Eye, all over the place. City, they're recovering. They're scarred. Liverpool, scarred still. You know, still scarred, you know. Spurs, crap. You know, back six, rubbish. You know what I mean? Um, they just skip just you have a shot, we have a shot. Rubbish. You know, so we're okay. We're okay. And, uh, and I'm with Paul on this. We're okay. We've got stuff to do, but the stuff we've done so far is good. It's good. I think we just now, now have to adjust to being scouted properly and respected. We only get respected when you're good. Yeah, well said. All right, let's leave it there. We've gone long enough on this, I think. And 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 I, you know, they said it on the Arscast, you guys, but I couldn't agree. I am just happy to see the back of City and United, and, you know, like, I mean, Liverpool. It just feels like a big, big games every week suck. Like, I want to play a minnow. I'm excited for Rapid Vienna. Like, bring them on. Like, I'm excited to just have a game that doesn't feel cagey and nervy and maybe we can nick it. Like, let's just go batter Rapid Vienna for a bit and enjoy that. Um, pause on Twitter, pause my pants. Woohoo! Clive's on Twitter, Clive Yates. Thanks, Mark. Thank you very much. Tim's on Twitter, Stroberto. Thanks, Tim. My pleasure as always. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Definitely, definitely, definitely clean up your downstairs area. Uh, and if that means you have a downstairs in your home that currently has lots of boxes and clutter, clean it up. No time like the present. We're stuck at home. Clean up. If 
it means something else to you related to our sponsor and you want to use the code Arsenal Vision and save 20% at manscaped.com, you should do that. But I will leave it to you to decide which of those two scenarios applies to you. Maybe it's both. Maybe you need to clean up your downstairs in your home and also the downstairs in your pants. Both things can be true. So having said that, I can now say we love you and we'll talk to you after Arsenal 10, Rapid Vienna nil. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.